18, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Thus far the reading. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for the sacrament of Lord's Supper. The sacrament that points us to life. Life that comes from, from your son, from you. Life that is kindled in us by your spirit. And Lord, our time of worship it is also life-giving as well. And we pray that that in our time of worship here, in the songs, in the prayers, in the reflection on the word, that your spirit will shape us more and more into to who you're calling us to be. And I pray that the words which will be spoken now, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. Amen. The story of Nicodemus there's a whole lot of stuff that's kind of floating in the background of it. Last week we, we looked at uh, how Jesus, you know, he was so angry at how they had turned the house of God into a marketplace. And Jesus has been now in, in Jerusalem and, and obviously he's been teaching and he's been doing some preaching and probably some miracles of healing and that as well. And he's captured the attention of this guy, Nicodemus, a guy who is super successful. This is a guy who is educated. He's got it all. By being a Pharisee and, and, and just in his position, he had wealth, he had influence. But there's something about Jesus that draws him, but he's not quite sure if he really wants to be associated with, with this. He's not maybe a rebel, but, but he is controversial. And for a Pharisee to get associated with somebody controversial, that may not be the smartest thing for him to do. 
So he comes at night. He comes to visit Jesus, to talk to him, to, to figure out who Jesus is, what kind of, a, what kind of a, a rabbi teacher he truly is. And, and like it is custom at that time, he, he greets Jesus and, and he compliments him. He acknowledges, you know, that, that he is a great teacher and, and that it's, it's, he comes from God. Now, for a Pharisee to say that, it's not a light statement. He recognizes something in Jesus, and he acknowledges it to him. He says, you know what, nobody could perform the signs that you're doing unless he was blessed by God. So, so right away, he's kind of acknowledging that their relationship is kind of equal because... Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, believed he was blessed by God as well. Now, he says, you know, you're no ordinary rabbi, and, but he wants to make sure about who Jesus is before he commits to him. Now, Jesus, Jesus kind of takes the conversation in a completely different way than Nicodemus is expecting. Jesus starts talking about some weird stuff. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And Nicodemus, you know, being a Pharisee, being a wordsmith, he loved, he loved words, he loved wordplay, kind of comes back with a smart alecky remark. He says, uh, how's a grown man going to kind of get back inside of his mom again and be born again? That's, that's kind of a weird thing you've just said here. And Jesus kind of looks at him. Hmm. You know, and again, Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher. He comes back, as a rabbi does, with images and with pictures, with word pictures, pointing to a, a greater reality beyond what's right in front of them. And Jesus goes deep. Since Nicodemus has been trained to think deeply about faith in God. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Jesus wants Nicodemus to start listening like a teacher of Israel, to start listening by someone who has been trained in God things in recognizing who God is, how God works, and God's relationship with his people. You know, and Nicodemus is committed to following God because that's what Pharisees did. On behalf of the people of Israel, they followed every law that God had given them. Over 600 of them. From the biggest to the smallest. From the Ten Commandments to... Not mixing meat with milk. There's all these laws, but on behalf of the people, so that they would not be brought back into exile, the Pharisees had dedicated themselves to follow all the laws for the people. Now, Jesus is talking heart stuff here, though. This is not just about following rules. Jesus is saying, this is spirit stuff. 
you have to you have to give birth within your heart within your soul that's what I'm getting at here and he's a master of, of using what's around him to kind of point to greater truth, to point to, to what he's getting at, to explain faith and spiritual things. Now remember, they're, they're meeting at night. They're sitting probably on the rooftop. And they would be sitting around a fire pit because it gets cool at night. And imagine a fire pit filled with embers. And then a breeze comes up. And what does a breeze do with embers? It relights them, brings them back to life again. Now with that image right there, where Nicodemus can see it as, as well, Jesus turns to him and says, you shouldn't be surprised by my saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now Jesus uses wordplay here because the word for spirit and the word for wind are exactly the same. So when Jesus is saying that the wind blows wherever it wishes, Nicodemus can choose to hear wind or he can choose to hear spirit, that the spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Now just kind of echo ahead to Pentecost. What's one of the first signs of the spirit coming? Sound of a rushing wind. And then what appears in everybody's heads? Flames of fire. Jesus uses the things around us, the everyday things, to help us see how God works, how the Spirit works. You know, just like a breeze can, can get an ember burning again. In the same way, the Holy Spirit can ignite new life in us. Reignite our hearts and our faith. It's not something we do, but it's something that God does in us. We simply need to be open to the Spirit's moving. Uh, Nicodemus doesn't seem to understand what Jesus is getting at, even though he's a scholar, and this is the stuff he has been studying his whole life. And he's been living out those scriptures in his day-to-day -day life. He says, how can this be? Now Jesus pushes back at Nicodemus. Jesus is a master of sharp replies. Of sarcasm. He asks him how he can understand what Jesus is saying since he is a teacher of Israel. He's obviously been listening to Jesus, otherwise he wouldn't be there. And he's seen or at least heard of some of Jesus' miracles. So now hear Jesus' words. 
in the way Nicodemus would have heard them. Ah, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but since still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? If you can't get the stuff right in front of you, how are you going to get the big stuff? No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who's come from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake on the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Now Nicodemus is going, hey, wait a minute, there's all kinds of echoes of different stuff here. Son of Man, he's talking about Daniel and, and, and Daniel's vision of this, of this Son of Man coming down from heaven. And, and this is the Messiah, this is, this is the promised one who's coming. He's going to save his people, he's powerful, he's mighty. But then he's talking about Moses and a serpent. Well, and, and we think of serpents, and, and, and we think of that story, and we think of people grumbling and angry at God and frustrated and saying, Oh, God, why do you even bother? Like, we'd be better off without you. And then God sent venomous snakes into the camp, and, and they began to bite the people, and, and they began to get sick and die. And, and Moses cries out and, and says, What can I do? And God says, Make a bronze snake and stick it up in a pole. And stick it in the middle of camp so that when the people get bit, they can come and they can look at that snake, that bronze snake, and they'll be healed and they'll live. And this is all going through Nicodemus' head and he's going, is this who Jesus is claiming to be? Is he claiming to be the promised Messiah? But is he also claiming to be the one who's going to bring new life? By by being stuck on a pole. But that means he's going to be cursed by God. And yet, by being cursed, he's going to bring life. How does this all work out? Oh, Nicodemus is taught to, to think through this stuff. But it's got to be hard. Jesus hasn't been around quite that long yet. But Jesus' message is pretty clear. Even Nicodemus can get it. If you want life, if you want new life, it's in me. It's not in your position. It's not in your wealth. It's not in your status or your power. If those things would have satisfied your life, if, if, if you were truly content, you wouldn't be here right now. See, Nicodemus has shown that all the stuff we can have doesn't lead to a full life. That's with this image of life in mind that John writes the most beloved verses in all of Scripture. Now this is John who writes them. This is not what Jesus says. But John picks up on that image of Son of Man and of the serpent on the pole. He says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is not just good news. This is the greatest news in the world, in history. It's the greatest news still today. The laws, the rituals, the sacrifices, going to church, giving a tithe, it doesn't save us. Honestly, it doesn't really satisfy our souls or our hearts. Because that's just doing stuff. Believing in Jesus who saves us. That brings us eternal life with God and Jesus. But it also brings hope. Brings meaning. It brings a place of belonging to us. John writes again in 1 John 4, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' love for humanity, it drives his plan of redemption, his plan to save us. And he's willing He's willing to go to the ultimate lengths for us. He's willing to be that cursed person, to take God's curse, God's curse which we deserve because we keep sinning and we keep messing up and we keep walking away from God instead of coming toward God. Jesus went up on that cross to take the curse so that we could be open to the Spirit coming and making our hearts, our souls, our spirit, his home. So that we can have hope and life. We can have meaning and purpose. Nicodemus comes in the darkness of the night. And Jesus calls him into his light. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is challenging him, saying at some point, you're going to have to acknowledge me in the daytime, in the light. And we see a little further in John. When, when the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling court of the Jews, you know, is starting to move against Jesus, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. And then at the cross, after Nicodemus has seen Jesus raised on a pole, Nicodemus is one of those who takes Jesus' body to give it a proper burial. He publicly acknowledges himself 
as a follower of Jesus in the light. He's no longer in the darkness. We hear echoes back to the beginning of John. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Already in the beginning, it was pointing to Jesus saying, you got to be born again. Not of natural descent, but born of God. We live in a time where there is so much wealth and success, and there will always be those who struggle with poverty and failure, but we live in one of the wealthiest times in history. And yet there are so many people who are unhappy and dissatisfied. And we can say, yeah, we've gone through a tough time, we've gone through two years of pandemic, so we, you know, there's reasons for being unhappy and dissatisfied and angry and all those kinds of things. But the reality is, with all that we have, we still find ourselves struggling against unhappiness, discontent, and anger. Many young people are wondering about what life is going to hold for them. There's some struggles lying ahead for our young people, your young adults, job-wise, future-wise. They hope there's more, more meaning. They hope for a greater purpose or reason in life. Henry Nouwen wrote, well, 15 years ago I am, about how we see ourselves today. He says, I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others say about me. I came across that quote. Henry Nouwen goes on and says, it makes us one of the wealthiest and one of the saddest generations in the history of the world. Because we identify ourselves by everything except by who we follow and say we believe in. He says we forget that our identity, our life, our purpose, our hope, our salvation comes from Jesus. Not from us and not from the people around us. When we embrace that way of thinking, it will lead to unhappiness and even depression. It will lead many into escapist living and brokenness. Nicodemus has it all. And still he seeks out Jesus. Hoping there's more. 
Jesus calls Nicodemus into truth that what we have, our accomplishments, what we do, they don't bring meaning into our life. That even our, our, in our successes, we're missing something. We're missing someone. We're missing Jesus. Later on, Jesus says, I come to give you a full life by showing us who we really are, that we're children of God, that our worth is in that fact that we are children of God. It's not found in our work or accomplishments. Our purpose is to be children of God shaped by the Holy Spirit. To live our lives in such a way that people around us say, wow, I know you're a Jesus follower. Or as Patrick says, I'm a church goer. And they're going to change how they act around me. That's the beginning steps of disciple making. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we get a brand new fresh start in life. A new identity and a purpose centered in who Jesus is. Jesus brings light into the darkness, pointing to the injustice and evil prevalent in our world, but he also points to that darkness of unhappiness, fear, anxiety, and brokenness that so many people live with today. We're not our own savior. Our sin reveals just how hopeless we are without Jesus. He's the one who brings hope, healing, value, meaning, identity, and purpose into our lives. And Jesus goes to each one of you, no matter what you're going through. He says, I offer you new life, a fresh start, a new beginning. Just believe in me. I'll give you eternal life, a full life. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for who you are, for how you work in our lives, for how you work in us, how you change us, transform us, how you call us and then equip us to bring your hope into this world. So Lord, be with us that we might be preachers of good news wherever you place us. Amen.